How do we confront hatred in the world? With more hatred, anger, sadness? What about creativity? Not the easiest choice, but perhaps a necessary one. We could take it slowly, or we could get insane. No one ever got anywhere by playing it safe. This is All Things Grinnell. I'm Ben Benversi. On today's show, we're joined by artist Jean-Louis Desaire. As he says, his art utilizes very recognizable forms and materials from everyday life, but presents them with a poetic twist meant to interrupt expectations and to create space for dialogue in the place of discomfort. He deals a lot in the meaning of symbols, and his work is very visual, so it wouldn't hurt to check out the episode webpage and peruse his work a little bit before the conversation. But I think you'll find it engaging even without visual aids. Definitely check them out at some point, though. So, we're going to talk about the power and responsibility of art in this wild world we live in. But before we go any further, a few things. First, there's some discussion, brief as it may be, about themes of violence and sexual assault. Now, this conversation is from earlier this spring, the week before COVID threw our worlds for a loop. A lot has changed since then, but the idea of creative resistance was already on our minds. And that idea is even more present now. As most of you have probably heard, a black man by the name of Michael Williams was recently murdered in Grinnell. In the aftermath of such gruesome violence, how do we respond as a community? Supporting Michael's family through donations and letters of support? A vigil in his memory. These are an all-too-familiar sight, especially this summer. Searching for justice where there is none can be a daunting endeavor but I've been wondering about the role of artists during these times. Jean-Ric got us thinking about that during his visit. I asked him how he's able to step back from the tedium of everyday life and see the potential for creativity. It's just an effort of creativity that uh, we all need to engage whatever our discipline, whether we're engaged in the spoken word or the visual arts or science or whatever, that there's creativity um, uh, possible in the everyday things. Um, and it's, it's just a matter of being able to listen, to see, uh, to hone in on, I guess, what some people would call intuition. Mm. Uh, Perhaps actually it goes back to my formation in terms of where I went to college. I went to Cooper Union in New York City, a Mm. very, very small school, and uh, in the architecture school specifically. And um, I don't think people would typically typically think that um, one would be studying in architecture school philosophy or Mm. poetry but that actually is part of the curriculum there. (laughs) And um, being confronted with certain works um, that have uh, a great deal of, um, I don't know, breath or air uh, to them. Uh, I think that that, that, that's one moment. I think that in my development as a visual artist, um, there comes a point where you're experimenting a lot and you're doing what I would call derivative work, meaning you know people who are making work that is f- vaguely reminiscent of 
Warhol or too reminiscent of Warhol <laughs> or Jean-Michel Basquiat or so on. And after a certain point, you will discover, start to discover your own voice. And when you have made enough of a body of work where you can step back and either for yourself find or discover what is the uh, string uh, mm -hmm. in your different projects, or if you're fortunate, um, other people will uh, begin to tell you what that is. And that, that, that's in particular if you're doing a certain type of creative work where you're not painting the same blue painting or mm -hmm. dotted painting again yeah. and again and again, which is another method that I suppose some creative people take that road. Mine is not necessarily that case because as I showed in my presentation, they, the projects have various forms. So one might think uh, it's from different artists, but once you find um, what that spine is, that those, the things in common, then you begin to realize that it's, it, it, it's one person. Yeah. 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 Um, what brought you to Grinnell this week? Um, I was invited. Um, uh, <laughs> Just showing up unannounced. How dare you? <laughs> no. So I was, I was, I was invited and had some conversations um, with uh, various people in the language departments, for the most part. Actually, um, it seems to have been a kind of confluence of various people in various departments, somewhat unrelated to each other, mm. who have come across my work, my name, and I think it's because of that overlap, that those intersections. Um, and I thought, well, I've never been to this part of the U.S., I don't think. Um, I wanted to experience that friendly um, invitation. Um, it's not so incredibly difficult to, for me to talk about my work because it's my work. Yeah. So I can talk about every part of the experience of how the work came into being. And um, I don't necessarily bring, how could I put it, without it, hopefully without it sounding like a slight, I tend to say that I don't think one needs a PhD uh, to enter into my work. Mm. Um, but um, I don't want to disparage uh, the 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 great deal of research that is embedded in the work mm. uh, as well. Um, so there's plenty that one can go into. But for me, it's fine that um, the creative experience um, for the viewer can either happen uh, at a slow pace or it can happen at a fast pace. Uh, regardless, it's still about something that can possibly... Um, continue to unfold and open up. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of your art is not necessarily like biographical or, or, or personal to you. Like you're, you're seeing something that maybe others are doing in the world and you're kind of amplifying others' voices is, is how you put it sometimes. Um, but you're still choosing things that maybe strike you or resonate with you even if you don't always agree with them politically or, or socially. 
But what is it that attracts you to, to certain ideas and makes you want to bring your lens to them? Um, well, even if I might may take certain things that I think are relatively universal, though that, that can be critiqued, um, let's say very general, mm -hmm. um, ultimately my perception will always be my unique perception, um, you know, as, as a immigrant to the United States since I was a child, coming from a, uh, a long um, Caribbean, uh, specifically Haitian, um, legacy or heritage, being a person of color in the context of the United States as another um, element, uh, being a middle-aged person at this point of uh, another, uh, being part of a somewhat contested LGBT uh, community is another element. All those things intersect to create a particular point of view on these generalities. And understanding those, how those generalities can somehow function, I suppose maybe it was a bit more trendy in the 80s uh, when I went to school, but um, to a certain degree I can say that I know how semiology works. And so the images can be, or symbols can become the my alphabet in the same way that uh, words can be that for a poet, mm -hmm. you see? So, um, you know, part, part, of the, part of the key to this idea of intersectionality is that, well, you're fully that simultaneously being fully that and fully this and fully that. So you've done a lot of works in, in different countries and you've shown your works throughout the world. How does how does the context in which, you know, your viewers or your public will be engaging with the art? Uh, dictate what you do with it and the approach that you bring to it? Well, I think it's important, well, not, not everyone would agree with this, but I, I think that certain assumptions can be made about um, your audience. Um, we all have to begin to a certain degree with certain assumptions about other people they may be dead wrong. Mm -hmm. um, they often are wrong, actually, um, because w we are all not kind of cut out templates of the kind of cliches that exist. Um, but we have to start somewhere, and we just have to kind of own up to it and just kind of enter into it. Um, if we're open and we do some research and we do some talking, um, and this, this doesn't have to be some sort of heavy... Um, you know, heavy political stuff. Um, we can allow for certain to, to learn and understand like, oh, they're not as stuffy as I thought that maybe they would be. So mm -hmm. I can kind of chill out a little bit and make <laughs> something a little bit more progressive. Uh, oh, no, they're probably going to be more uptight than I realized. Oh, my God. Um, so let, let's rein it let, in a little bit. Let's let's well. Let's rein this part of it in a little bit, or let's talk about the center by defining as much of the periphery as possible, hmm. and that will somehow uh, 
begin to form something. So um, I have to just constantly make a, a certain type of research to understand what the context that I'm putting something in um, that will inform me with the imagery, it'll inform me with the particular methodology. Um, um, there's so many things that actually kind of contribute ultimately to what that final thing will be. I know in general um, the, the take that I probably want to do. And of course, uh, I don't want to imply that I create a kind of formulaic art either where it's just like some sort of mathematical equation and mm -hmm. just fill in the X, Y, Z, because there is something to also be said about the making, the actual roadblocks and discoveries on that highway of actually in the making. Mm. And you realize the, the color and the energy and the this and the that that are part of that creative process um, as well. You know, perhaps I'm overthinking it, <laughs> um, but I've long contended that this is not a leisure activity hmm. and that there's a, as I see it, a particular role I play in the society as an artist. And that comes with a, what I view as a heavy responsibility. My tools may not be like that of a surgeon with a scalpel, and yet I can create work that can cut as deeply and as emotionally and perhaps create damage as well. Mm. So uh, that responsibility should be taken extremely seriously, uh, even, I guess, if I choose to just decorate. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. um. Some of the more like public exhibitions or, or displays that you, that you showed um, kind of reminded me of. <clears throat> I, I recently watched the documentary Faces Places. Have you seen that? No, I don't know about it. Um, do you know the the filmmaker Agnes Varda? Have you heard of her? No, tell me. Okay. I don't, I'm not like I'm not I'm not like trying to flex and like being like well versed. No, I, don't, no, no. I don't know shit. Um, no, no, no. But, but tell but me. I recently watched a documentary, and it's it's this old. I think she's French uh, lady. She's she's definitely getting up in her years now, and a younger photographer who's gained some acclaim. Mm -hmm. And they both like admire each other's work, but they uh, had never worked together, and so they together they're filming this documentary, mm -hmm. and. Um, they're just going around little villages in France, I believe. And they they kind of plop down in the villages and get to know the people a little bit, do some kind of like, you know, really just talking to people, but research for the art project that they're going to do, mm -hmm. uh, which is like they drive around in this truck and they have, they like print photos from the truck and then like paste them onto walls and stuff. Uh, and most of them are just like big pictures of people. Okay. Uh, and so they, but they do it in a way that like, means something so they're at like a some sort of like plant where where you know most of the people working there are men mm -hmm. um but then they they do a little art piece of like the wives of these men and like they put them up like giant on like the i think it's at like a shipping container plant or something like they're they're filling shipping containers and they just put up these like giant murals of, of these women to kind of highlight 
the role that the women are playing uh, behind these men. And it just, the, the process of like kind of going into a community and like poking your nose around and getting to know them or like maybe doing the thing, like setting your exhibit up while other people are kind of like walking around and interacting and the process of just being there and making the art and kind of like seeing what, what, what a community could want or need or like what, what art you could bring to a place that would really resonate with people. I think, I don't know, it was just reminiscent of that. And I thought it was really cool. Oh, totally. What you've described totally <laughs> resonates uh, with me because it, it, it makes visible something that is very real that in the context of where these men work is 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 not really seen mm -hmm. maybe there's a bit of a social network in which it comes out but i think to create an artwork where the presence of these women who support their partners um is a very beautiful um striking statement uh to make um for the to, to, to the community as well as to those men uh, uh, who were, who were there, um, in, the, in that, um, factory mm -hmm. totally resonates with me. I think, uh, um, uh, to create work that is so personal to people, I think is a great, um, I think it's a great target actually. And clearly it has a larger, let's say, I don't know, ethnographic, whatever, um, social studies kind of um, importance as well to um, archive that kind of uh, situation, mm -hmm. uh, as I said, to make it visible, yeah. I think is really uh, uh, quite nice. So I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe some of my work is part of a particular school of thought. I, I, I try not to, <laughs> I figure, I figure that's, that's the job of the writers, curators, historians, people who are writing and reading mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah, and yeah. have a, a good lay of the land in terms of what other people are Exa doing. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I can't read every book. It's yeah. just impossible. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I also was thinking about um, just like the, what I do and like starting to, starting to try to be creative with audio. Um, and like, I think about the good storytellers that I know and like how they, you know, they'll take on like a radio program, someone will tell their story, but then they're going to cut it up and like, just like, yeah, yeah. and then rearrange it and yeah. then add music and other sounds and like bring it together with another story and some context. And then like, yeah. you have a story in a way that the person didn't tell it right away. Or like maybe they didn't, you know, the way that they kind of say it is like they're filtering their the person's story through them and they're telling it in a more like impactful, better way. Not that the person isn't able to tell their own story, but you know, this audio storyteller has some capabilities, some tools, and maybe a larger voice that they can then amplify the other people's voices. So the, the truth is that there are people who are not able to really f tell their story in a manner that is comprehensible to all of us. Mm -hmm. And so for the storyteller who's able to filter that and take that in and chop it up and uh, create an architecture all around it, because the actual person who may be telling the initial story may start in the middle 
then shift to the end, then shift to the beginning. And maybe that works, maybe it doesn't, but um, th th there really is, a, I think, a, an art to storytelling, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure I can say that that's been an interest of mine, per mm -hmm. se, because I've been much more interested in the, in the non-linear story. You know, I, 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 I've, I've made a couple of videos and I tend to fight even with myself about, hmm, how, how short can I make this video mm. so that it, it isn't a burden for someone to have to really sit there for 45 minutes and watch <laughs> something. Um, and, you know, when one creates a video, one, one has to work with a timeline. And, um, hmm. So it's a bit of a struggle because what I like about creating uh, some of the artworks that I've done, like my burqa project, for mm. example, where I have uh, four burqas that um, I sewed up um, using the American flag, the German flag, the British flag, and the French flag. Um, you know, where and how does one enter into that? I never. I never consciously say, oh, this, this one has to go first, this one has to go second, that mm -hmm. one has to go third. It all moves around depending on, on, on where it's being exhibited. So again, it's not linear. You don't read it uh, that way. Yeah. But there are literally so many doors that one could open in order to enter into that work. And granted, um, when something has so many doors, there are a number of people, I don't know what the percentage is, maybe 20% as high as that, closed down hmm. because they're not being spoon-fed. But I actually think that uh, non-linear I'm interested in is that uh, things can then just continue to unfold because people can project into yeah. what they want. Yeah. You know, and I think I find that to be liberating and um, quite frankly, I think it helps the work that I do as well because uh, it has a greater, larger relevance uh, to people. Yeah. You know, whatever um, preconceptions they may have, like in, in that particular one where they always assume, or not they always, but... Uh, when people haven't seen me, they assume that some of this work is is, is done by a woman. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Really? Okay. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Could, could be. <laughs> it certainly could be. Yeah. A lot of what you do is that you seem to take an interest in in other people's perspectives, whether it's their perspectives on your art and mm -hmm. then making art out of out of their reactions. In mm -hmm. a sense, I'm I'm thinking of. Um, a very personal project for you that you undertook for years and years where you walked around Germany in Lederhosen's and you yourself became, you know, the art and the performance in a sense. And what came out of that was, uh, among other things, you would have people take pictures of you as, as they saw you. Uh, and you're very interested in kind of like how they see you. And that really was the art in the sense is how did these people see me? a black man dressed in these lederhosens and, and what does that mean? Um, so can you give the background for like where that project came from 
and um, what it meant for you to be like very personally involved with discovering what what people thought of, and how they saw you instead of how they look at the world, maybe. Or maybe it is both. <laughs> yeah, um, there's a lot in there um, that I can say. So I'll cut to the chase that uh, I want to offer in my artwork uh, or th through my artwork the most authentic of experiences possible. It would be disingenuous for me to um, uh, fake that. I cannot fake looking through their eyes and um, uh, make those little choices. Yes, I can fake it, but then it becomes theater. Mm. And this is a very different uh, uh, thing. The genesis for the work was that I was uh, walking uh, uh, many years ago, uh, having flown to Germany to see the wrapping of the Reichstag by the um, artist Christo and Jean-Claude. And um, I was at one point in the center of the city attacked by two people. Um, actually, one person, the other one was trying to hold him back. Um, and it was completely a, a, a racial incident. So, uh, um, uh, in Germany, white German. Um, and um, speak to anyone who has been affronted, um, uh, who's been violated in some way, there is a residue of a kind of trauma uh, in that experience, whether uh, it's a woman uh, or a man, black, white, or blue, who has been almost raped, or uh, someone who's had a certain type of vile um, language thrown at them, whatever. There's always some level of a trauma. Mm -hmm. And it's different for, for different people because we all have different capacities to take in and reject certain things. So for me, uh, I feel that generally speaking, creative people, whether you're a, 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 a writer or visual artist or whatever, have the ability to also um, uh, exorcise certain emotions and mm. things out if we concentrate in a particular way. And so I wanted to create a project that was for me a certain kind of healing um, uh, and empowering um, action mm -hmm. of some sort. So um, rather than either be ang super angry about the situation or um, uh, uh, crumble under a kind of victimization, um, I decided to just uh, fly back to the United States and um, um, start to create a project in which um, I would make an effort to look like, superficially on some level, uh, the approved German body mm -hmm. in space <laughs> that... Um, uh, would not elicit such um, uh, such violence. And um, that's how I kind of entered into creating the work. Clichés exist, stereotypes of uh, people, other peoples all over the world. And um, the Germans have several clichés that exist of them. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought, why don't I just grab one of those and jump into that? Mm -hmm. 
and um, buy myself a uh, travel train ticket that was open-ended that I could just go all throughout the country again mm-hmm. and this time present myself in public space um, in this kind of stereotype cliche costume because I think that the Germans don't realize that, you know, uh, people in the heartland of of India or Malaysia or any you know so many other places in the world, that particular costume just screams of German, German, German. Yeah, it's not merely Bavarian; it's German. And um, that's what I did. Uh, I looked at pictures. I somehow created a kind of pattern, found leather to create these pants that was as close to kind of white Caucasian skin tone as I could. Um, went to some hair shop and bought um, fake, not real, but <laughs> um, uh, blonde hair, uh, sewed it in to the seams and created little tresses. Um, uh, took a trip to buy a kind of Tyrolean jacket and a uh, felt hat, removed the feathers, put in more blonde hair. I mean, it was uh, um, creating an outfit that was different but the same. Mm-hmm. Different but the same. Um, so that there is this aura of the sameness, and then there are these kind of like, as you enter in closer um, one begins to perceive all these odd little differences that have different reasons for uh, being there, you know, in, in, in including the little cowbells around my neck uh, that people could hear me dingle, 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 dingle mm-hmm. um, as, I, as I walked. Yeah, you so made your presence felt. I made my presence felt um, in, 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 a, in a light and simultaneously forceful uh, um, way, and um, it was it was almost impossible uh, to n- not be noticed. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, you know that people are touched even if they go out of their way to try to show you that they haven't seen you. Mm. For example, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, it it offers this very odd. Um, confronting moment uh, for people, some of which uh, uh, sometimes rejecting uh, what this image is because for some people it's incredibly loaded. So um, I realized that at times that laughter was a awkward mechanism for just like not wanting to deal, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it, 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 it's it was a very good um, experience to um, begin the piece. Um, um, I think I learned and grew from it uh, as well that I had just placed certain things uh, in line, and of course, it was going to constantly be a, an element of surprise even for me in making the work because, again, as I said, I cannot fake what people see um but i can take on that hard work of engaging all those people Mm -hmm. and um seeing 
what comes from it and allow them the possibility of being the archivers, the documenters of uh, that interaction. In the end, um, uh, um, I'm able to redeploy those experiences and those images out again into um, public space. Yeah. 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 And that became a big part of what you did with that project was make these kind of postcards of of yourself and what other people had taken pictures of you um, and then display those. And then the display of those and the people's reaction to that also was creative in a sense and um, the way that you chose to display them. Obviously, you were thinking about it and um, the way that people responded then to that um, also more insights to draw from that. So just like a never ending, you know, how people see things is, is very interesting. Yeah. And, and there, there are still images that people haven't seen because I just haven't really kind of like put it out there and uh -huh. deployed it. Um, there, there, there are a couple of videos, which I, uh, I think I, sh I showed maybe one that I, uh, raw footage that really, I think, uh, people here at Grinnell were the first people to ever uh, see them even though they were shot more, like 20 years ago mm -hmm. so um, it has a kind of ongoing never-ending story kind of quality I yeah. suppose um, to it um, it's not the only work I do of course no. <laughs> but um, I knew at a certain point that the project did for me personally what it needed to do in terms mm -hmm. of, um, of of the healing aspect of that uh, work and um, I started to realize little by little what it did for other people in terms of shaking them up or making some people actually hunker down and get even more nasty actually mm. it's mm. it's i mean um that 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 also is part of the reality of the world that we live in um, I don't see my work as functioning as a um, full-out agent of change, mm. per se. That would be really great, <laughs> but um, um, may, 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 I just don't believe that that's truly possible. I think that it has to kind of come from people themselves. But I, 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 I can see that... Um, my work can plant certain seeds mm -hmm. and that those seeds may take years to sprout yeah somehow um, hmm. and and that 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 that's something that I do see that I do do maybe it's maybe it's related to this idea of the artist um, having his own scalpel mm. yeah yeah and this this project in particular was also um, you know, maybe your your own act of creative resistance to some of the the forces and and trends and ugly parts of of this world. Um, I have a particular view about my role as an artist mm -hmm. that I believe, but um, I think it's I've come to realize it's also foolish to assume that all artists are either politically correct or on the right side of, right. of history and <laughs> ways of thinking, because quite frankly, um, there are also artists with abhorrent, um, to me, abhorrent uh, uh, views of the world and people and politics as yeah. well. 
and they can be just as talented in their manipulation. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, so, um, um, you know, th th those are the artists that um, uh, work behind the scenes for the propagandists as mm -hmm. well to tell you that uh, your, 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 I don't know, your, your neighbor is cooking too much garlic or uh, something or other. I yeah. don't know. You know, yeah. they're bringing the rats into the neighborhood or... Mm -hmm. Bringing it back to Grinnell here, you've got a, a day or so more here. Um, I was interested in kind of like, you know, you you did a workshop yesterday with students and right. I was there for right. part of that. Um, how do you approach coming to whether it's a school or anywhere where you might be doing a workshop and working with people and kind of bringing their ideas? I know you you kind of purposefully kept... You described your art, but then you kept the ideas a little abstract from there because you didn't want to impose your vision on you know, a project that we might create. I was trying to push for being here longer to do something much, much more involved uh -huh. um, and needed to kind of streamline it, if you will, yeah, um, and make it um, uh, much simpler uh, than what I initially intended. And um, certainly, I'm not one of the artists who wants to um, propose make it, uh, to students becoming um, mini-me's. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> um, there are some people who like this pedagogical approach. I'm, 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 I'm not particularly interested in that because I think that um, I feel if I put if I put my my teacher hat on, I feel the obligation to empower students to learn how to fly or fly better by themselves. So with that in mind, I, my, my, my intention was that um, we'd get a room of many interdisciplinary um, uh, interests. Mm -hmm people coming maybe from who are focused on economy, some people writing, some people arts, um, who knows, physical ed, I, you know, it, it, um, because I, I, I'm a strong believer in diversity. And I know that when people hear the word diversity, they're often thinking racially, but no, I'm not thinking mm -hmm. that way, you know. Um, you can get a whole bunch of white people in one room and there's plenty of diversity right there. <laughs> you just need to open your eyes mm -hmm. and really see it and go beyond like their faces. Right. <laughs> you know? Um, and I felt very strongly, or I still feel very strongly that the future is about working in collectivity and um, that these are tools we need to kind of begin to figure out now um, and get better at. And I think that that's going to be what is uh, needed. Um, again, I had no preconceptions per se with regards to what a, a small collective could do or would do. But it's good also for a small group of people to know that that outside-of-the-box potential exists. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and that uh, they can do it, and maybe with the help or the nudging of an outside person, uh, this can start uh, something. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I 
I think what you were saying about creativity, not as a wholly positive force, maybe, but maybe neutral. And we have to, you know, we bring our artists, bring their preconceptions and their ideas about the world to their art. And that impacts the impact of their art. Um, something that I haven't thought too much about because I, I think there's, there's not enough creativity in our world. So when I, when I think about getting more creative and, and encouraging other people to be more creative, it feels like a, a wholly positive thing because I, it just feels like we're lacking that kind of like mind frame and, and you know, relationship with the world. So I maybe uh, naively like, you know, think about creativity in that way. But I appreciate that you came to Grinnell and that you took the time to, to work with us and talk about your work and give us that little nudge to to think outside the box. Thanks a lot. Are we good? Yeah, we're good. Thank okay. you very much. Okay, super. Jean-Ric Desert is a wonderful artist, born in Haiti, formed in the United States and Germany, and spreading his work throughout the world. Obviously, there are some limitations to discussing visual works on a podcast, so check out his website and follow him on Instagram if you want to look at some of his work. Music for today's show comes from Brett Newski and Lobo Loco with this song, Bavarian Beach Bar. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, email me at podcast at grinnell.edu. Make sure you subscribe to the show to get new episodes when they come out, or follow the college's Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook pages to keep up with the podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, pass it along to a friend, and take care. I'm your host, Ben Benversi. Stay weird, and keep working towards a better world, people.